In just two weeks since his return, quarterback Phil Jerkovic has made quite the impression. We're going to look at his future on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. I am the editor and publisher of BC Bulletin. Make sure you check out my work at bcbulletin.com. On today's show, we're going to look at Phil Dracovic and what he could do over the next two weeks and what the future may hold for the Boston College Signal Caller. And then we're going to look at some of the other games from this past weekend. We'll look at those with Mitch Wolf. So Phil Dracovic on Monday was named the ACC Quarterback of the Week by the conference. He was also named Pro Football Focus's Quarterback of the Week through the entire country. And he, all the accolades were starting to pile up. He was also Mitch Wolf's three stars. Uh, and a bunch of bigger writers also saw that as well and kind of chimed in. John Garcia of SI All American said this was the type of performance we have been expecting from Phil Dracovic and have to have NFL GMs starting to pay attention. So there's two more games. You have Florida State, you have Wake Forest. Two teams that honestly their defenses are not really all that great. I mean, Florida State has made some play uh, improvements on their defense. Wake Forest's defense is not very good. So what could happen for Phil Dracovic over these last two weeks? And where will it send him? So, you know, he has already, in one game, made himself into the, the conversation of the best in the ACC. I know Kenny Pickett has stats. And Sam Howell has stats. You know, they've uh, Sam Hartman has picked up wins. Devin Leary has done well. You know, but Dracovic. Dracovic, when you have five touchdowns like that, when you effortlessly move the ball up and down the field with both your legs and with your arm, it really does make you consider, is he as good as these other quarterbacks? And when you look at that, like the piece that comes up, and I know people don't want to talk about it, but it's worth looking at, is will he come back in 2022? I mean, we're already talking about that. And it's a good question to ask because it's hard to read. Now, if he had stayed out and said maybe made one more appearance, you know, this year, maybe a bowl game in the Wake Forest game. He definitely would be coming back in 2022. There's no way an NFL team would draft him with that many injuries. You know, he had two last year, this one this year, and not enough film on game tape. But now he's got a chance to put together a package that could start to maybe open some eyes from scouts across the NFL. So say he goes out against Florida State and he throws four touchdowns and 300 yards. And then he goes against Wake Forest and he has five more touchdowns. And then because they're BC and they're eight and four, they get like a, a mid-level bowl and they play an AAC team, you know, like Houston or Toledo or something like that. And he throws for four more touchdowns. That gives him about twenty touchdowns over the last month. Is that enough to get NFL staff to go, hmm, he could be, you know, one of the top three or four quarterbacks? I mean, this is a very, very weak quarterback class. I mean, if you were a team, what quarterback would you say this is a can't miss quarterback? Sam Howell? He's not that. Kenny Pickett, I mean, he's doing great, but he's not that either. Uh, Carson Strong, Malik Willis, they're good quarterbacks, but they're not the Trevor Lawrence, the Justin Fields, or the Mac Joneses of last year. They don't have that. So if Phil Dracovic goes out there and he lights it up and gets VC fans excited, there's always the possibility that he says sees this and he gets somebody who talks to him and says, hey, you know, Phil, 
you could be a first round draft pick if you do have a good combine, which he will. You know, um, Mitch Wolf said that during uh, Monday show. So I don't want to like d- drown on your parade because I still don't think it's a, a foregone conclusion. I honestly think he's still going to come back um, because he, you know, even if he has a strong end of the season, I still think he's only going to go second or third round. If he comes back and has a full season playing like he's doing now, he could get into the Heisman conversation. He could be Davey O'Brien quarterback of the year. He could make BC um, a national name. He could make himself a national name, and that could mean big money. I mean, there's a big money difference between first and second rounds of quarterbacks. So I still think he's going to do it, but unfortunately for Boston College fans out there, we're going to have to sweat it out until the end of the season because I'm sure he's going to keep that close to his vest. Same thing with Zay Flowers, though, too. But we're going to talk a little bit about some of the other games around the country. We'll look at the ACC with Mitch Wolf, and then we'll look at some of our friends that we like to have a little fun with here on Locked on ACC. Uh, Locked on ACC. Yeah, Locked on Boston College. And this is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. It's got everything. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of the competition. If you're running a business, that is so important. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite, and right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash NCAA. Again, head to netsuite.com slash NCAA for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. netsuite.com slash NCAA. All right, college football fanatics, have you heard about Prize Picks? Prize Picks is a daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know you will too. Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offer all the star players of the Power Five as well as many major players you may not even have heard of. They offer you anything you can think of, from yards to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. I love going on Prize Picks. You can go to the app super easy. You can go to the different sports and find whatever over under that you want, and then you can have some fun. You can, and that's the that's the that's the genius of Prize Picks. Is there's infinite amounts of configurations. It's it's as infinite as your mind can go. Now, Prize Picks amount allows mixed sports entries. You could take uh, LeBron James with the under on Pat Mahomes in the same entry. Now, they have a special deal, and you got to check this out. If you use promo code LOCKEDON, they're going to give you a 100% deposit match up to $100. Just head on over to PrizePix and make that deposit today. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawal. Remember, the promo code is locked on. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. We're, we're with Mitch Wolf, who joins us every Tuesday to talk about all the games that went on during the weekend. We already talked about BC with Mitch on our Monday show. If you've not checked that out, make sure you head back there. But this is our chance to, to dive around the ACC, look at some of the other big games this weekend. There was a big Oklahoma one we'll talk about. And some of our friends uh, and uh, getting into the schadenfreude with some of our local uh, other programs and ex-coaches. So Mitch, let's first jump into the ACC. Any games that specifically jumped out to you? 
So the one that I enjoyed was actually the Thursday game, which was North Carolina against Pittsburgh. And, you know, Pitt got it, gets out to an early lead behind Kenny Pickett, having a, another excellent game as a thrower. And then North Carolina battles their way back, back slowly. And then the rain starts driving down. You know, you get these funny pictures of Mac Brown standing in, in the pouring rain in his camo hoodie, just looking miserable. Yeah. Um, but Pitt gets a late overtime win. Uh, it's funny because my mom texted me about the two quarterbacks and I was like, yeah, like Pickett's good, but like Sam Howell's going to go higher. And she's like, why? I'm like, well, X, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. But she's like, yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm like, I, I get it, but it's just one game. But that was a really fun uh, back and forth game to watch. And UNC, they kind of blew that at the end. They had the ball, I think, at the five yard line with like a minute or so left and they couldn't get it. Yeah. In. Yeah, 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 they did. That was, uh, yeah, they're again, like I, I, I thought a lot of the hype around them uh, going into the preseason was a little overblown because of how much offensive production they were losing and their defense still wasn't that good. Uh, but I, I mean, them sitting at five and five right now is kind of surprising, but I still think they'll probably get to uh, get to a bowl game this season. Yep. And uh, for me, the big, the big game this weekend was of course, Clemson and UConn. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> there's a couple other good ones. One I have to admit, I did not watch was Florida state Miami. And then I stayed up for Wake Forest and UNC, I, sorry, NC State, but fell asleep in the last quarter. <laughs> yeah, I, I was trying to make it through that one, but I had been up early to tailgate the Ohio State-Purdue game. So I was I was pretty exhausted. I, I, but I mean, honestly, like it, that was such a weird game because he had all the quarter throw, the quarterbacks just throwing interceptions back and forth. I mean, I'm just again, I was half awake and I didn't see the ending. But I mean, based on the box score, Devin Leary had an awesome game throwing the football, but I mean, Sam Hartman threw three, three, three touchdowns, but he had three picks and he, there were just a lot of bad interceptions from him. So I think the funny thing though, was they showed like this graphic of him throwing at AT Perry, who's their big, I think he's like six, five or something. He's a big receiver for them. And he had like 24 targets at some point. And I don't know what that ended up being. Cause he had five receptions, but they were just throwing the ball at him repeatedly. And he just yep. could not uh, come down with a reception consistently in the game, which was pretty funny to watch. I'm going to see if I can, what was his final target number? Uh, We're going to go, sorry, I need to, so I'm diving into stats. Go ahead. Yeah. You can buy time. (laughs) Interesting. While you're doing that, I was reading on Twitter, Kelvin Harmon, a former NC state wide receiver says that Mm -hmm. Devin, he said, Devin Leary is far and away the best quarterback in the ACC. Do you agree with that right now? So before I get into that, uh, 19 targets for AT Perry, five catches and a 26% (laughs) catch rate. Uh, Devin Leary, the best, quarterback in the ACC I would have to disagree um and again it usually depends on what you know what measure you're taking and I thought he had a great game yesterday but obviously we've seen the Wake Forest defense is not very good at all uh I I think at this point I'd still have to say it's Kenny Pickett you know every game he's lighting it up for them you know they weren't able to every time they've lost he's had great numbers so like they're not losing because of him like he's He's throwing the ball all over the field. He's kind of experiencing like a Joe Burrow level rise because, you know, Burrow, like when he was going into his great season before, everybody was like, oh, yeah, he's like, okay, like he's got some stuff. And then he just comes out of nowhere and is like one of the best quarterbacks ever. And I don't think Pickett's there just because it's not on as good of a team as that LSU team, but he's kind of experiencing that same thing. Um, I mean, Sam Howell's going to be drafted higher. I think Devin Leary is good. Like he's an underrated quarterback nationally, but. I I'd be, I'd be hard pressed to agree that he's the best quarterback in the ACC. I'd say he's definitely in the top half, but uh, definitely not the best. Okay. Excellent. And any other ACC games you want to talk about? I, I had to say it will we'll always, we always talk about UConn that game. I turned on and immediately saw UConn score a touchdown and almost spit my water everywhere. I wasn't drinking beer because I had to cover BC later, but then they proceeded to do literally nothing for the rest of the game. Um, 
And that was a, another loss for the Huskies who let's talk about it, Mitch, have their new head coach, Jim Mora Jr. What are your thoughts on this hire? Yeah. I mean, Hey, UConn covered, I think the spread was 40. So they only <laughs> lost by uh, 37. So props to them. Um, and I think it was funny because at some point, like UConn was beating Clemson seven, nothing and New Mexico state was beating Bama three, nothing. So people were just like, Oh my God, what's happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a, that's an interesting hire for them. You know, so, a lot of, I feel like typically when colleges try to bring in, you know, kind of an NFL lifer to run their program, it usually doesn't end well um, in my, in this, again, this is anecdotal, but I just feel like that usually doesn't go super well. But if you're UConn, you know, at this point, you're willing to try anything. You're desperate to, you know, save anything, salvage anything of this uh, dumpster fire of a, football program yeah and i i have to say right off the bat um jim mora worked with si so he he was part of the he like he did videos for us for like a hot second during i think nfl draft season um i didn't get to talk to him specifically but if you see a lot of people loving him it's usually because they met him through that um i should say that but um the other piece i mean the guy flamed out at ucla and you know he flamed out with the falcons you're going to a program you know, you're an older coach that you're going to a program that has done nothing for about a part of 15 years now and have no future because they're kind of listless. I don't know. I just, I don't see him doing like, I saw people worrying that he's going to out recruit BC or, or starts poaching recruits from BC. And I was like, yo, hold on a second here. I'm not going to be a Homer here, but literally any recruit in new England that BC wants that is battling between them and Yukon BC is going to get every single one of them. Yeah. I mean, barring, barring the kid, like being from stores and, you know, having a super like close, like familial relationship with UConn. I just, I just don't get that at all. You know, I mean, they, I don't really know what UConn's facilities are like. I can't imagine they're near BCs given the recent investment in that. Uh, I mean, again, they're not really playing a conference schedule. They're just getting beat. They're, they're kind of going, they're much closer to UMass right now than they are BC. Obviously yep. UMass beat them. Um, but you know, we'll whip around more of the ACC. I, th- I did catch a bit of the Miami Florida state game at the end and you know, Miami has been hot recently. So it's kind of, I do find a kind of feel happy for Florida state that they're again, starting to move at least a little in the right direction. You know, they're coming up to BC this upcoming week. So I, I feel good about BC's chances, but it's, it's good that Florida state is, you know, at least, putting putting the pieces back together ever after kind of being in shambles for the last five years or so yeah and i i, I have a tendency to rip on a lot of coaches i'm not a big dino babers fan i don't mm-hmm. like justin fuente at all um mm-hmm. but i think mike norvell is a good fit for them and i, I yeah know- and and he had a, he had a rough he had a rough like first years like obviously the first year like just was bad and then covid stuff like with uh, his players and them not seeming to have a great relationship with him over various stuff. And then he gets COVID and just, yeah. just kind of like everything that could go wrong, did go wrong down there. So it is, it is nice to see him starting to actually get it, you know, get it turned around uh, based on his system and everything. All right. So top 25 games, was there any top 25 games you want to talk about Mitch? I mean, so I, like I said, I was at the Ohio state Purdue game and uh, Purdue's really, or I'm sorry, Ohio state is really good. Uh, this was probably their most complete game in a while. Uh, you know, offense was clicking. They, you know, didn't Purdue didn't really score much until kind of they scored their two touchdowns in the second half. And that made it seem closer than it really was. But, you know, Ohio state got out to a really early lead and just never gave it up. Um, so we had some kind of weird games in like Michigan beating Penn state on the road. That makes me happy just because I hate Penn state. Uh, you got Baylor with a upset win over Oklahoma, which is interesting just because, you know, obviously Oklahoma has looked 
defeatable in the last few weeks. You know, they've been very inconsistent. They almost lost to Kansas. We'll come back to that. Um, and they benched Caleb Williams. They brought back Spencer Rattler. And then Lincoln Riley was getting mad about Baylor kicking a late field goal uh, for, and then Dave Aranda said it was because of big 12 standings. But uh, I just think that, you know, if you're Lincoln Riley, I think you have more pressing problems than a garbage time field goal. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I think obviously the, I think the biggest story in college football this week is uh, Kansas beating Texas in overtime, uh, even though that's not a top 25 matchup, you know, there's always, there's been talk of Texas being back for the last, you know, five, eight years or so. And now they're lost to arguably the worst power five program in the country right now. And uh, props to Lance Leipold, who came over from Buffalo pretty late after the whole less miles debacle. And I'm not saying he's got Kansas turn around, but getting that big win on the road against, you know, a, a powerful conference opponent. That's, that's great for that program. I, it was a good hire. I, I was, I thought that was a great hire when they hired him. I, I thought yeah. they pulled a good, like, a, oh, like a, you get a young guy like that, that has a, a good pedigree and like can do some things. He can, he can lift up a program. Yeah. And yeah, it's funny. Cause like, you know, it was a pretty late hire just because of how the timeline worked with all that. And a lot of people were like, why would you go like Buffalo's like a good max school. Like, why would you go to like, the, and it's, this is kind of like maybe why people question like, Oh, why would you go to UConn? Like, why would you go to Kansas? Like it's a completely more fun program, but you know, he is a really good coach. They, he's been able to get a lot of good talent at Buffalo when he was there and turn them into like NFL caliber players. So he is a guy that's definitely doing things the right way. And that is good to see. You know, I, I'm not sure Kansas is going to get back to an Orange Bowl like they did in 2007 or 2008. But, you know, it's, it's nice to see them not be a complete doormat that, you know, did upset BC two years All ago. Right. But- <laughs> in, in a moment, uh, Mitch and I are going to talk about a couple more games and uh, wrap up our today's show. But we're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head over to our new updated desktop and mobile device uh, website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first pause. Just use your promo code locked on to receive your bonus. I was using Bet Online this weekend. I hit with BC on the under. Uh, Eric Hobbs has told me to fade on, uh, go with the under on BC for the entire season. See how you do. You would have been you would have been two out of three so far with BC on on Sunday. They did not. They went over, but that and I, I went with the money line on BC against Georgia Tech. Did really well for myself on Bet Online. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all your amazing offers available for the 21 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. This is Locked on Boston College. AJ Black here. We are with Mitch Wolf, and we're talking about some of the games around the country. And we're going to start talking about some of the teams that we love to talk about because it gives us a little warm feeling when we bash them. We already bashed UConn, so that one's already out of the way. Let's let's talk about UMass, <laughs> who did the unthinkable. They lost their second straight. Uh, I think that this is their second FCS loss this year, isn't it? That's correct. Second consecutive, yeah. <laughs> they lost to URI last week which led to Walt Bell getting fired and they got smoked by Maine on Saturday. Yeah, this is not good because the <laughs> UMass gets out to a 10, nothing lead in the first quarter. And then Maine rattles off 35 unanswered to end. And that's just, that's just, that's just terrible. Like there's really nothing else you can say about it. You know, uh, I really don't know what direction UMass is going to go in the future. I, 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 I'm wondering if they will be able to lower uh, Holy Cross's head coach from the FCS, but 
Uh, I think that's, I don't know if that's really likely either. I think we talked about him for the UConn job, but yep. uh, that, that at least has, you know, a little, they're, you know, they're both independent programs, you know, UConn is a little bit of a better history. So I don't know if he would make that jump from FCS just to go to UMass. And if you're on Twitter and you follow me at AJ black underscore BC, you would have saw the unthinkable this week where I actually defended UMass on Twitter. And mm-hmm. I think, and I got lots of memes. I got the, um, the bad guy makes a good point meme for me. When they just, tw- they, when they just post the stock photo of that guy from the onion article, that <laughs> just always hits for me. Cause every, just everybody now on Twitter now knows what exactly what that means. And I love it. I'll retweet it so you can see it because I, 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 I took that as a badge of honor that the UMass fans thought of me as the worst person alive. But um, <laughs> I, I, I defend him because the, the globe did what they'd usually do to BC, which is, why does UMass have an FBS program? They should drop down. They're a waste of time. They're a waste of money, blah, 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 blah. Which you could copy and paste BC to that for the last 10 years. And if you're a BC mm-hmm. fan in the Boston area, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Bob Holler from the globe, and I'll talk, call him out. Dan Shaughnessy, um, Buckley, C. Buckley. They've all written these, these hack job, uh, nasty posts about Boston College. I, I'm, going, I'm going in on this. And yeah, I know Sean, Sean, loves to trot that one out until uh, BC beats his beloved Holy Cross, you know, 70 to 10 or whatever it was from a few years ago. And uh, the basketball team just beat the snot out of his basketball team. So, um, yeah, so I, I get UMass's angst about that because like they're just doing the same thing. And I know UMass is in a different spot. I get they stink. And believe me, I <laughs> just turn back the podcast the last like you know, we're on episode 250. I'm sure you can find about 30% of these in which I rip UMass. Um, but I still think they deserve to be an FBS school and they can, they, they, the, the FBS program that they have does support the other programs they have on campus. And they, mm-hmm. do, you know, the, 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 the Olympic sports, the women's sports, the ones that don't make money. So even though they stink and they're terrible, and I will say that again, the UMass football team is terrible. They still do a lot of good and they deserve to be in the FBS. That's right. And I, I think that the issue is, I, I, I think I would disagree that I, I think that they probably should, they shouldn't be an FBS program, but that's more on the decision to jump up from FCS, whenever that was like eight years ago. But once, once you have made that decision, you, there's really no going back right. because right. like you said, like it's really about the money. And I think when the athletic did their article kind of previewing candidates, for the job they're saying like listen like a lot of people will think the going the fcs is the answer and like you really just can't do that from a from a uh financial or fiscal standpoint that's just not realistic anymore so that's really the reason why i think like obviously from a football on field product standpoint yeah they should be fcs team but from a money standpoint you just can't do that and you know and they're a program that's getting ripped because they the power uh, the group of five program uh conferences they're all doing reconstruct, you know, they're reconstructing, reconstructing mm-hmm. and refiguring their lineups. And you, UMass and UConn are not a part of any of those conversations. Mm-hmm. UMass, especially UConn, I've heard a little buzz for you in there. But yeah, UMass- UConn got some Conference USA buzz, but I think that they're moving on without them for now. So that's yeah. interesting. And so that's our talk about UMass. And I promise you, I probably will never, though I had a uh, Brittany Collins, who was a UMass uh, tennis player, on talking about NIL stuff before, but I promise you. I will not be positive about UMass again for a while. <laughs> um, all right. Speaking of being positive, let's talk about Steven no. Azio. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, so, Mitch, I had been sending these quotes. Eric Hofsis, our Friday uh, guest, is you got to follow him at EJ Hofsis every Saturday after. I mean, I swear to God, he stays up to listen to Steve Adazio's press conference and he finds the best nuggets. And here's our, our nugget from Saturday's game. 
I mean, sitting here right now with six, seven wins, we're not. We certainly could be, uh, and we're not. And so our, re you know, we are what our record are, is right now. But that's not reflective to what we're building for the future, though. That's been seen. That's in the foundation. Now, you want to take a negative slide on that? Be my guest. You can do that, right? That's easy. You can be as ne anybody can be as negative as they want to. But the players in that locker room, they know. We're going to have a hell of a football program here. I'm going into the game next week. I'm worried about beating Hawaii right now. I'm not worried about next year. Do I like where we are? I'd like to have more wins. But do I like where we are in terms of building this program? Hell yeah. What part? I mean, I, that's what I just talked about for the last 10 minutes, right? Yeah. What else? Anybody else? I mean, if you closed your eyes, and I did not tell you that that was Colorado State, you would think that was literally the same thing he said in 2018 or 2019 at BC. Am I right, Mitch? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I was watching that, and obviously now he doesn't have the mustache, but like I had to like really stare because I was like, it looks like it's just like spontaneously growing back or it might just be a mirage or something. But yeah, I mean, they lose to air. And I'll say this, Air Force is a good team. You know, they're, they're playing really well right now this season. So, you know, props to them. But, you know, Colorado State was really never in this game losing 35 to 21 they're sitting at three and seven right now and uh, like you said he's really just trotting out all the same excuses um you know doing the fake thing where he like kind of takes accountability but really is just throwing his players under the bus and i, I just don't really get what they're doing there moving forward you know I, I think i'm not sure if it was eric one that mentioned it but them losing to wyoming last week like that's apparently a pretty big rivalry yeah. out there so that's a that's a bad loss for them moving forward so I just really don't foresee a world where he gets this turned around and they retain him. Cause I, I, just, I just don't get what they're doing. They're like, it, there's no, there's no forward momentum. There's no real, you know, I don't think there really is a future vision with him at that program. So and I, I think honestly, and Colorado state's not a bad program. Like you can no, get a nice no, good, absolutely not. You can get a nice, good young coach in there. Like, like, a, a yeah. That, yeah. And then that's, that's like a pretty, you can recruit that area. That's a pretty good fertile area for recruits, especially if you can get into Utah and Arizona, um, getting some of the players out of those states because they, they have some talent there. So, yeah, I mean, you, you can absolutely like put together some nice teams at Colorado State. You know, that's a cool area. It's a neat, neat little uh, stadium. You know, you've, you've got a conference that has a good amount of turnover. So like any pretty much any given year, you might be able to make a run at it. So and he's got some good players like we talked about Trey McBride, you know, David Bailey's there. He's had some good games. But I, I just, you know, every CEO Dazio tenure just ends pretty much the same way. So you know, uh, I don't wish, I don't really try to wish ill on people, but I think it's really just time for Colorado state to you know, face facts and realize they need to go in a different direction. I just love the difference in the tenor of his press conferences versus uh, Halfley's. I know it's Halfley's winning more now and Dazio clearly is not, but it doesn't really matter. Listening. Dazio looks like when and I, I remember being in some of these press conferences where he's like drilling holes and like being like, he's being like the bully to the media when he's talking to them, he's just being a jerk. And he, you can see it. Like if you watch Eric's clip of it, if you're a media member, you can see like, he's just like, he doesn't want to answer questions. He's being belligerent with you. And you don't get any of that with Halfley Halfley. And that's, you know, that's his way of kind of molding the media a little bit, but you appreciate that. Like you don't dread having to go to a press conference because even when he had crappy games and when, you know, the, during the Grossell era, when things were not going well, you could tell he's pissed off, but mm -hmm. he wasn't being a jerk about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and like, that's, that's the difference is like, 
I think Halfley is able to realize, and this should be a simple realization that it's not the media's fault that, you know, they, they, they have a job to ask them these questions and it's not this big conspiracy people have to get to, but like every time people ask Adazio a tough question, like, it seems like he's going to like stand up and say like, all right, buddy, let's take this outside. We're going to settle this like men. settle us like, <laughs> like, like a bunch of dudes. But I, I like to think that Eric has like this setup, like in a study where like he opens up like a box and it's like a nice wooden, good wood box and like some smoke comes out. And then there's just this laptop with uh, with just videos of Adazio press conferences queued up and he pours himself a nice glass of whiskey <laughs> or something and just sits back and just watch watches the playlist go as Adazio, you know, prattles on about his injuries and his lack of depth and what have you. Oh, I'm sure he does. <laughs> and, and, and our last little game, and I'm not even going to get into it, but if you're a BC fan, you may forget that Frank Spaziani is still coaching. He oh, is, uh, this is news to me. <laughs> he's at he is the defensive coordinator at New Mexico State, where Doug Martin Uh-oh. is his offensive coordinator from 2012 is still the head coach. Doug this Martin's the, still the head coach at New Mexico State. I believe he is. Good for him. Good for him. Oh, though that's funny because uh my friend told me about this sound clip where the head coach the, the um the head coach of New Mexico State something about Bama this week where he said um, he's like, oh, like the only reason Alabama's ranked that high is because their logo, like any other team would rank that high. I was like, I respect that so much. Him just coming to Alabama for no reason when he knows he's going to get absolutely boat raced. That's awesome. <laughs> he is still the coach there. Holy crap. That's incredible. Good for him. His record there is 24 and 72. How he still has a job is amazing. But for those who miss Spaziani, uh, they lost 59 to three to Alabama uh, on Saturday. Uh, so they, they, I, they, they, they almost covered, I think the spread was like 52. So th- they were close. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe he's got a great ranch out in New Mexico. Just like, I mean, maybe Adazio has a great place Fort Collins is awesome. I don't know if yeah. you've been there before it's Colorado is awesome just in general. So mm-hmm. if, it's a great job if you can get it. Um, so Mitch, where can people find you on social media? You can find me at Mitchell T. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E on Twitter. Like I said, uh, we'll have our so by uh, three stars article should be out by now. And uh, like I said, that analysis of uh, Phil Jerkovich's passes should be coming. Sorry, Jerkovic. There you go. Nailed it. Got it. All right. There we go. Um, Jerkovic, uh, his passing analysis should be out, coming out uh, sometime this week soon. All right. And thank you, Mitch, for joining. You can follow me on Twitter at AJ Black underscore BC or Locked on BC. On tomorrow's show, we're going to be joined by Davis Scully. He is Rody Rampage on Twitter. He was an editor of a URI blog for a long time. He was uh, a, one of my best friends, and he is a humongous URI um, follower and knows everything about the program. He's going to talk about URI uh, in, as we per, uh, get ready for the BC URI game on Wednesday. Thank you all, and see you again soon. Take care.